0: Tim Graham and Friends is brought to you by Shampoo Travis, Bisson Kirshner, CPAs and business consultants. CTBK is the leading accounting firm with a growing team of accountants and business consultants with roots in Amherst, New York. CTBK pairs every project with a focus on a human connection between its team and the client. For assurance, accounting, taxes, litigation support, and advice on mergers and acquisitions, CTBK is available and ready to solve any issue your business faces. For a consultation or to request a quote, call 716-630-2400. Again, that's 716-630-2400. CTBK, over a quarter century of proven accounting and business excellence for Western New York and beyond. Welcome, everybody, to Tim Graham and Friends, brought to you by CTBK Post Super Bowl Edition. We have a special guest with us today. It's Bills tight end Lee Smith, joining us from his home in where Where are you? Because you told me you're Eastern Time Zone, but I thought you're in that, you were in the Tennessee.
1: And I'm in Knoxville, so Nashville is uh, is Central, but over here in uh, Knoxville, on the east side of the state, we're oh, Eastern. Okay.
0: What's up with Tennessee doing that, splitting it down the middle? You gotta, I mean, don't you, you? You gotta do business in your state on two different time zones.
1: Yeah, man. Hey, we're just our little nook and cranny down here. I guess we're not big and bad enough to decide where the line goes for the time zone issue. So we just adapt. It's uh, it's it's not right through the city. It's kind of through the rural part of our state. So um, so you can you can start driving out into the country, and I'm sure those folks have issues. But in the big cities, we're uh, we're pretty solid.
0: <laughs> well. I think we've learned, uh, if anybody who flips on the news over the last few years, you're going to have issues, whether you're in the city or in the country, it doesn't, you're going to find, uh, people you don't agree with (laughs) everywhere.
1: Yeah, Uh, hey, we'll stay away from that one. Yeah,
0: that's right. It's one of the few things I learned from my father, uh, was, uh, don't talk religion and don't talk politics. So we'll steer clear of both of those, (laughs) especially if anybody down here has been drinking, which I'm not ruling out, um, (laughs) Just uh, want to remind everybody that uh, joined here with uh, Matthew Fairburn, also the athletic, he covers the bills and Jonah Bronstein of Bronstein and Bronstein, your sports writing injury attorneys. Um, Lee, uh, they're fresh in your mind. Uh, what, uh, what we just, we'll just do general thoughts about last night's game. And I'm guessing that in watching that game, you're reflecting on it through the lens of your own experience with the bills and coming one game away from from that platform.
1: Yeah, man, you know, I can't lie to you. Uh, you know, I don't have much interest in watching the Super Bowl ever. And I sure didn't this year when, when we were so close. You know, it's sure nice to be home in Tennessee with my family and all my kids have been playing with all their buddies and friends and seeing grandmas and grandpas all week here. So last two weeks. So that part's been good, but you know, I'd have much rather been in Florida, right? Along with all my teammates. You know, I, I always go back to Josh and the season he put together and how much he developed this year with, with digs coming over. And it was just – it just seemed like this was our year, right? I think we all felt it. And then, you know, that, that wasn't the way it turned out. So, I wasn't super interested in watching the game. I watched bits and pieces of it. You know, my wife kept elbowing me at certain moments as I would fall asleep uh, during most of it. But, but I watched most of the second half once I kind of woke up from my little power nap. And, you know, it just – I feel like Kansas City was us from two weeks ago. They just, for whatever reason, it wasn't their night. They couldn't get it going. Uh, you know, uh, they, they kind of took care of Tyreek with some defensive stuff, just kind of like I felt like Kansas City had a good plan for for Bees and Steph. And, you know, just it just wasn't their night. And, you know, the last person you want to see in a Super Bowl, I've told everybody this, that's asked me the last few days is number 12. So, uh, you know, he did it again. I'm a big fan of elite players in every sport, LeBron, him, Michael Jordan. You know, I'm not a big baseball fan, but just dudes that take over and, and dudes that that put together, you know, multiple championships. They're fun to watch because you just see why they're different and why they're so special. So I'm sure glad he wasn't in a Patriot uniform winning it again, you know, being a Bills player, but it was cool just to watch that man at 43 years old go win another one. It's wild.
0: <clears throat> he was an old man when you were drafted by the Patriots nine years ago by football standards anyway people were probably talking about hey how many more years do we have a Tom Brady back then Uh, what was how would you describe or what did you absorb from Tom Brady or observe in that that time that you were there before you joined the Bills
1: yeah you know the two players throughout my career were Tom and then Charles Woodson that I was around that are those 15 plus year first ballot Hall of Fame guys right and um And Charles was a lot nicer to me than Tom, we'll put it that way. You know, I was a young, dumb rookie that was in Tom's way. And, you know, from guys I know that played with Peyton and and being with Tom for a very short amount of time, it was the lockout year when I got drafted. So the only time I was in New England was training camp. And they released me, and I ended up being, you know, a Buffalo Bill for the next four years. So... But I'll tell you one thing, man. Regardless of uh, regardless of how you know hard he is on his team, I can, after watching that Michael Jordan documentary, I told my wife last night when when that game ended, and I you know I saw the smile on his face, and I saw the way he was looking at his teammates. It reminds me a lot of when you know Michael Jordan said, "Listen, guys, it's not easy to be Michael Jordan. It's it's at times it's, I'm on an island over here by myself, and you know am I allowed to you am I allowed to swear on here? I hope so. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know Michael Jordan's like I'm always the, I'm always the asshole." But guess what? Nobody's happier for the Steve Kerr's and Dennis Rodman's and Scotty Pippen's than me when we hold that trophy up. Yeah, I'm hard to deal with, you know, every other day of the year when we're in the gym and we're working. But by God, nobody's happier than me when all my teammates get to hold that trophy up. So that, that's how that's how Tom is, man. He He's hard on you. He has zero interest in you getting in his way or screwing up one play of practice. And, uh, and there's a reason he is the greatest quarterback in the history of our game and the reason he just won his seventh championship. I mean, it's insane. So, um, you look at all the Hall of Fame quarterbacks, and, I mean, this dude, they just can't touch him. It's wild. So, uh, championship-wise, that is, you know. And uh, it's, it's, just, it's just cool to watch the ultra-competitive leader that just demands so much of guys and just getting to see him when he's, you know, got a big smile on his face and, and happy for his teammates is, is cool. Like I said, being a Bills player and being a Bills fan, I know you know do not want to rate, rant and rave about Tom Brady, but my God, you got to give the guy credit.
2: Lee, knowing what you know about him, knowing him, you know, briefly there in New England and playing against him for so long, knowing what you know about what it takes to get your body ready year after year to play this game and what goes into it. Forty-three years old, and he says he's coming back. He's won seven of these things. What do you make of that?
1: You know, I look, at, I look at a lot of guys throughout my career. Charles is another one. You know, the Jason Wittons who go to the booth and then come back, you know, to, to play for the Raiders this year. And those guys are just wired different. Like the, you know, outside of their children, obviously, and their wives, you know, football is the most important thing in their life. You know, the season ended two weeks ago. You know, I have zero interest in being in the weight room. I have zero interest in catching a football. I want to be on the farm. I want to be chasing cows and screwing around with my family. You know, and there's a 0% chance that, that I ever had this ultimate goal to, to play 15, 16, 17 years. That just was never my deal. And I'm not an elite player by any means like those guys. Don't get me wrong. Um, but, but that was never in my brainwaves. My brainwaves brain was to be the best teammate I could be, best, you know, best blocking tight end I could be, so to speak, for, for as long as, as I felt like my heart was in it. But those guys, man, they're just different. It's Once again, it's back to the Michael Jordan. Like, they are just a different breed. If you're bored, go look at Tom Brady's combine pictures. You know, he, he looks like a, a – it doesn't even look like he's in puberty. It looks like about 12-year-old. You know? So, it, it's not like he's some freak show that, that God just, you know, blessed, you know, more than everybody else, you know, the Miles Garrett's of the world, the Julius Peppers of the world. You know, he's just a guy that – is different between his ears and there's no one that can touch him. And that that gets proven over and over and over. I mean, the man's 43 years old for crying out loud. He's going to be on Medicaid, you know, in the next <laughs> decade. So it's just bonkers. And and it's strictly because, like I said, you know, even the guys like me who play 10 years, you know, the guys that play a long time, I've had a lot of teammates over the years, a lot of great friends, man, we're not talking about playing 20 years. That, that's not something we're interested in just to be frank. So, those guys are just different. Football is so important to them that they, they just, they're just, they're just different, man. I, I guess that's the best way to explain it.
0: Lee, uh, I guess rather if I picked up on it, then maybe somebody listening to this picked up on it. You just said played 10 years past tense. Um, is, is there something you're thinking about here or what? No,
1: no, no I mean, listen, I got, I got to really pray and talk to my wife. I got a, uh, you know, to be honest with you, I didn't mean it like that. But sometimes oh, okay. you think that your that your subconscious is thinking when you don't realize you're thinking it. But um, I don't know, man. You know, just what a cool journey. You know, to to play four years in such an awesome town with you guys, and then go out and you know play out. And yeah, with them. us.
0: That's that's what you'll remember.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm sure. Yeah, with with uh, but you. Know, I mean the Buffalo people. You know what I mean. All uh, right, all
0: right. That all allow.
1: Yeah, the Joe Yurgis at the Mulberry. That'll be my friend for life. I mean that's that's the cool thing about the city of Buffalo and the town and, you know, the Raider fan base. And, you know, I'm a little bit of a renegade on the field. So it was fun to go out there and get loved on by those guys and then get to come back. So, you know, uh, first off, Brandon Bean has to want me to be a Buffalo bill with the, with the cap situation and, you know, Josh's contract coming up and, you know, we got a, got a lot of priorities on that football team, you know, Matt Milano, they're going to do everything in the world they can to keep him. So, uh, you know, old, fat, tight end is probably low on the priority list. So first first and foremost, I, you know, I need to talk to Brandon. We need to – you know, he's, he's got an open-door policy. He's very respectful and very truthful to, uh, to veterans especially. So so who knows if the Bills want me back, right? I mean, that's, that's one thing to this whole deal. And then another thing is my 12-year-old son, who I watched play basketball the other day, I had a hell of a lot more fun watching him ball than I've had playing ball myself in years. So uh, I got to pray about it. I got to first and foremost make sure my wife is all in uh, to, to go on another journey if, if that's what we want to do. But, uh, but I, I just, I gotta, I gotta think about it here, man. I'm, I'm not one of those dudes that wants some, you know, big send off or wants to announce some huge deal. It'll be quiet with my family whenever that time comes. But, uh, but it's soon. I mean, listen, I'm 33 years old with a big huge family that I've jerked all over America for, for 10 years. They've never actually done a whole school year anywhere. So, so it's getting, you know, really, really close here for me. And if I do one more, that'll, that'll be the absolute most. And uh, I haven't quite made that decision yet.
2: <laughs> yeah, I know when we spoke earlier this year, you mentioned that when you signed the contract, you, you knew you wanted it to be your last one. And you told Brandon and Sean that. How important is it for you to kind of, I don't know, not many guys get to exit this game on their own terms. Uh, whenever it is you decide to do that, how, how much do you kind of appreciate the way your journey has been able to kind of come together here the last few years in Buffalo.
1: Man, you know, I know this is probably the cliche answer, but there's just no way to truly describe it. I mean, I was a fifth round draft pick They got cut before I even stepped on the NFL field. And granted I was on, you know, I was on a pretty good team with a pretty good roster back then New England was rolling. Um, you know, so, so I'm, I'm on the street before my career ever even gets started you know, in a lockout year, 30 days into my NFL career, I'm calling my wife that's, you know, just had our third child. And I'm like, hey, we're, you know, we got a little bit of debt from college and, and we're, you know, eating ramen noodles and donating plasma to get by. And I just lost my job before I even played a game. <laughs> and now here 10 years later, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here talking to you guys, you know, as a 10-year NFL veteran that's been around and, and been able to accomplish more than I ever dreamed of. So – just, just the small things, man, like getting back home here to Tennessee. And I mean, I have bricks on my house for crying out loud. You know, I'm, I'm a good old boy from the married my high school sweetheart. So it's like, I just looked at my wife. I'm like, man, you yeah, got to pinch myself sometimes just how God's taking care of us and how this whole journey's gone for, you know, a wild, crazy, you know, kid from the country to, to be able to put all this together and have the best wife in the world. So, you know, on top of all that, it's not just the 10 years. It's exactly what you said. It's starting in Buffalo, a place we love and we'll always consider a part of our family. Going to Oakland, which we cherish too. You know, sunny California was was a cool place to be there for, you know, I was ready to get out of there. Don't get me wrong. But um, but it sure was a cool experience for my kids and me and my wife. And then to come back and finish, and not only to come back to Buffalo to finish, but come back to Buffalo to finish, you know, at the, at the infant stages of something really special. I mean, I've told everybody, man, like, the Andy Reid, Pat Mahomes, and the Sean McDermott, Josh Allen deal, you know, that's that's going to be the next decade. That's that's my personal opinion. No, I think it's going to be like Peyton and Tom in the AFC all those years. So it's going to be uh, super fun to watch these two dudes try to out each other and see who can win more than they lose. And, you know, I'm just super grateful to be a part of Josh's, you know, second, third years in this league and watch him grow and Maybe he learned one thing from my old ass, and, and that's something I can be thankful for, and, and, uh, and I can wear that with pride. But, you know, once again, I'm not saying I'm 100% done, because I'm not. I'm truly not. But, um, but I'm, you know, get, it's, it's probably leaning that way, and, you know, uh, I'm just super blessed and couldn't be happier. And I did want this to be my last contract. I absolutely did, and I told Brandon and Sean that. And two teams, 10 years, and nobody gets to come back. I mean, hell, I came back, and Jerry's the only person in the locker room that I even knew. And, and it's just it's just wild. So I know that was long winded, but I want to make sure I just let everybody I mean, just how humble and appreciative. And, you know, you got to pinch myself sometimes at just how my career went and how fortunate I was to to the, have the right breaks, at the right times, no horrible injuries and, and all that good stuff.
3: Lee, the position you play or rather the way you play the position, the, the type of blocking tight end that you are. Some teams value that more than others, depending on the style that they play. What do you think about that position's role in the NFL? Is it still as valuable as it was when he came in? Is it going to stay as valuable as the years go by? And how does that fit on certain teams that are passing the ball a lot more than they run?
1: Yeah, I think you know the answer to that question before you even asked it. But I'll give you my two cents
3: on it. Well, uh, let me ask you then, what is it like being a blocking tight end with those dynamics?
1: I'm just giving you a hard time, man. uh <laughs> Listen, at the end of the day, it is definitely not appreciated like it was 10 years ago or even 20 years ago. I mean, a big old stiff slug like me was a first round draft pick 25 years ago. Now you're lucky to get drafted. Um, so, I mean, the Pete Metzlars and Mike Tysis, I mean, both those guys coached me in this league. Those were the starters, you know, back in their days. You know, now nowadays, you know, I mean, what's what my, my man up in New York, Ingram, I mean, he, he's 230 pounds soaking wet. So, uh, you know, Dawson's 245, and he's got a, a bright, bright, bright future. You know, the Bills have something to really be excited about with Dawson Knox. But you know what, man? I'll never forget. I was coming out of the draft, and uh, I can't even remember the, the, the coach's name. I'll be honest. But I know he was the tight end coach for the 49ers, and he called me, and he's like, listen, man, we're not going to draft you. You know, we have other needs, but if you're around in free agency, I want you to come here. We have a great team. You know, Frank was out there then. They were rolling. And uh, – He said, but I want to call you and just tell you that I respect the way you play the game and I would love to coach you, blah, blah, blah. And he said, but let me give you some advice. Everybody's going to tell you that the more you can do, you know, blah, blah, blah. He said, don't listen to that shit. He said, be the best at one thing and you'll always have a job. And it ain't going to be all 32 pretty girls at the dance begging you, you know, to take them to the prom, but there's always going to be one that needs you and values you. And he couldn't have been more right. You know, the times I've hit free agency, it hasn't been all 32 teams calling me. But that's always the case. I mean, if, you know, Matt Milano, you know, all 32 teams would love to have Matt Milano. That don't mean they can afford him. So he's going to have two, three, four teams been for his services. No different than when Tom hit free agency last year. I mean, who would think that not all 32 teams would call Tom Brady, right? But, but that's not the case. That's not the way free agency goes in our league. There's so many great players. But for the niche guys like me, you know, and I'm sure I'm so not preparing myself to Tom Brady or Matt Milano. They're much better players than I am. But at the end of the day, the niche players that have their roles, you know, the fullback position is the one that worries me. I'll be honest with you. That's the one that, uh, that worries me the most, that it'll be extinct, you know, one of these days. But I, I just have a gut feeling that, you know, there'll be enough avatars like Derrick Henry in the world that, you know, teams are going to want to have a, a tight end that can put his hand in the dirt. Are they going to be 280 pounds like me five, six years from now? Probably not. But I think uh, although, you know, you got to pass the ball to win in this league and it's definitely not valued like it used to be, that would be the advice I give some of these young players is – now listen, I'm not telling you not to be good at everything now. You know, if special teams, whatever you can do to help the team win, do it. The more you can do, that, that's great. But if you can find a little niche and you can be the best in the world at something or you can be – you know, really, really, really good at one thing, there's always going to be a team out there that that wants your services.
0: Let me give you a stat. I looked it up right before we came on uh, because I was looking at your career numbers and something jumped out at me regarding uh, how often you catch the ball when it is thrown to you and then how often that is a touchdown. Since you entered the league in 2011, (laughs) of all NFL players who have at least 10 receptions, you rank 20th in the entire league at 83.1% catching the ball when you're targeted. You want to add in anybody who's scored at least 10 touchdowns? And Lee Smith, number one since 2011, entering the league, not only does he catch the ball 83.1% of the time, but every 6.4 receptions is a touchdown. Nobody else is better than that when you combine those two numbers. Although, I don't want to just say that you're way far ahead. Robert Tunyon is right behind you at 82.5%. He's got 13 touchdowns. Um, but other than that, it is got to go down to Austin Eckler um, at uh, proficiency of, of catching the ball when, when it's thrown to you and also turning it into a touchdown.
1: Comments? You know, I'm not going to – I'm not going to toot my own horn on that. You know, I'm, I'm a big – like I said, I'm a big mauler, you know, that's – that. You know, defensive coordinators and defensive coaches that, you know, typically when I have a big catch or a touchdown, they'll always come up and, and talk trash and get in my ear after the game. Like, man, I can't believe y'all did this that way. They ain't throwing the ball to you in five weeks, blah, blah, blah. You know, so, you know, it's not like I'm some guy that defenses are planning for by any means. Typically when I catch a little pass, you know, the coaches will take it out of the playbook for a few weeks until the, you know, it, it gets off the most recent tape. So we it's can throw it back play. in. Yeah, man. Throwing to you use know, a trick so, play, so I'm I'm not much I'm not much past a, a, an offensive lineman getting thrown the ball, uh, but you know I I had a dad that, that played professional football, you know I had footballs thrown at me my whole life, you know I've always said you know if I could run out of my own shadow I'd have a Ferrari in the garage just kidding around, but um you know I've I've never had any issues catching the ball, that's always been something that kind of came easy to me, but uh. But I just knew that at the end of the day, if I wanted to have a career in this business, it was going to be putting my hands on people and being the best teammate, best man I could be, best leader I could be. I always felt like the leadership aspect would truly help me at some point in my career. And I'm thankful for Sean and Brandon that they actually value that because it's not valued everywhere, you know, especially surely not at the salary I've been making the last couple of years. So, um, you know, I appreciate those two guys and I try to give them the best of myself, you know, the last two years. And hopefully I, left a small imprint on the team to help these guys. If I do decide to go on, if they do want me back, then that's going to be something that that I got to make sure I'm all in because I will not let anybody in that building down. Uh, you know, I had my grumpy moments this year, you know, as the older guy on the team. And, uh, and I want to make sure that I'm, that I'm able to give them the absolute best Lee Smith if they want me back. And that's something that we can talk about. So, um, so but, yeah, man, I'm not sure that I deserve much credit you know, I'm sure most of the balls that that didn't get completed, you know, was was probably when I was in pass protection and they threw it in my ankle so they wouldn't get an intentional grounding. And then the 83% were probably when no one was near me. So, so uh, I don't think <laughs> I need much credit for that. Besides the fact that, uh, you know, I don't drop it very often, but I gotta I gotta be really open to catch it because these these guys cover me. You know, I can't get away from them.
2: Kind of like those uh, low post basketball players with the high field goal percentages because they dunk it all the time. You know, it's uh High percentage plays all the time. Yeah, no doubt,
1: no doubt. My, I would consider my my catches and my touchdowns like Shaq dunking the ball. How many times did Shaq dunk? You know, though so, uh, you know, if they actually would have thrown it to me all the time like they do Steph and Cole, then I'd probably be like Shaq's free throw percentage.
0: <laughs> I recall having one of the, my favorite conversations I've ever had with a player at your locker stall, uh, because it's the way I approached you with it. I was kind of, I run and you corrected me. And we, then when it turned into a great conversation, um, I was talk. I came to you and we were talking about, um, dual threat tight ends. And, uh, and of course with two of the greatest of all time in the game last night, it comes to mind also. And I was thinking about it during the game last night <clears throat> and, um, you were telling me about, or I, I made it a point to say it's about hands like what's wrong with the what's wrong with a guy who's not a two time? I mean, does he? Why can't? And you said it wasn't about hands; it's about separation. And that pretty much anybody who plays tight end in the NFL is a really good receiver. Uh, but it's a it has to do with whether or not he can get any kind of separation. And um, I just remember we then talked for twenty minutes about the the art of a tight end trying to lumber away from a, you know, a smaller linebacker or a nickel you know, defensive back. Um, anyways, um, we had two guys last night who were the greatest of all time. Um, Gronk had a big day. I think a lot of people viewed that as maybe a passing of the torch too. Uh, what did you just see out of the, out of the tight ends from last night's game?
1: Well, I'm a huge, huge Travis Kelsey fan after all my time in Oakland, you know, I got to watch him a lot. And then you know he pretty much stuck the dagger in our heart to to end our season this year. So there's not enough you can say about those guys. That's like when I got the New England man, and I walk in that I was the oldest tight end on the roster when I got drafted, and I walk in and it's Rob Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez. And the first day we go to practice, I'm thinking in my brain, "Shit, man, I don't know if I can play in this league. <laughs> like these two dudes, I can't do what they can do. You know, I'm going to be riding the bench. So, uh, so they're just special. They're different." And, uh, you know, Gronk walked away. Like I said earlier, how we talked about Tom and, you know, the Jason Wittons of the world and all those guys, I don't see Rob Gronkowski, even though he could play in 15 years. You know, he'll probably, if Tom plays next year, he might play with him and I'd say he'll sell off his 11-year career. And, you know, we'll see. We'll see how Kelsey goes. But, you know, that, like my wife said when we, when we played Kansas City, she's like, how is he open all the time? And, you you know, Gronk's a little bit of a bigger body and has a little different skill set, but they're just so instinctive. They're Cole Beasley at tight end is what they are like, you know, Cole's 175 pounds soaking wet. Uh, and, you know, it's it's not like it's not like at his size. You know, he's, he's catching the ball because he has great hands. He's catching the ball because he has great hands and no one is near him because he, he's so shifty and he's – you know, he catches the balls in traffic. That's what makes you elite. Don't get me wrong. Every once in a while, a quarterback has to trust their receiver, especially tied in with big bodies and just throw it up. But these dudes like Bees and, and you know, the, the Stephs of the world and then back to Gronk and uh, Kelsey who can put their feet in the dirt and, and, you know, they highlighted Gronk in the run game a couple of times last night. And then, the, I mean, the guy's blocking defensive ends one second and scoring two touchdowns in the Super Bowl to the next. So he's just a freak show. He's uh, he's a freak show. They're, the way they understand defense, because it's like calculus, man. You're not just doing two plus two when you walk up to the line, understanding where the defenders are going to be. It's it's AP calculus and the Beasleys and Gronkowskis and Travis Kelseys of the world that understand where the holes are going to be and the quarterbacks trust them. It's almost not fair.
2: Lee, you mentioned – Dawson Knox has a bright future, and people um, people seem ready to write him off two years in. And I'm curious what you've seen up close um, watching this guy develop that gives you the the confidence and the belief that he can overcome. You know, he's been through a lot with injuries, and he had COVID this year. And um, what makes you think he's going to pull through this and and become the player that that he was drafted to be? Yeah, man, uh number one, he's a freak athletically.
1: Uh, and then, you know, he did I don't think I don't think he's ever scored a touchdown in his life until his rookie season in the NFL. How crazy is that? You know, I'm pretty sure that stat is correct. Uh, if you go back and look at just how much ball he's played in his life before he got to the NFL, it's not very much. I mean, I had an NFL football playing dad. I've, you know, played a lot, a lot of ball, played all five of my years in college. You know, Dawson left early from Ole Miss. So you know, the, the amount of football this guy has really played and the amount of balls he's caught in live action is, is not that many, man, until he got to the NFL. It's, it's crazy just how natural things become the more you do them. And uh, dribbling a basketball, shooting free throws, you know, catching footballs are no different. It's all about repetition and just doing it over and over and over and over to where it becomes second nature. So, um, you know, I don't, I don't know what, what the big issues are with Dawson out there. You know, I'll come on your guys' show and hang out for a minute because, you know, you guys have always been good to me. But as far as, uh, you know, sticking my nose in the media and caring about everybody's opinions out there, that's not really ever been my deal. So I don't know what the knock is. I don't know what what people are worried about with Dawson. I just know the kid is extremely talented, a freak show athlete that can separate. When he gets the ball in his hands, there's no little guys that want to tackle him because he's made that very apparent that he's going to try to put his hand through your face so um so he has a bright future he just needs more and more and more repetition and you know listen when you got the best receiver room in the league you know the young tight end gets left out guys that's just the way it goes there's so many balls to go around give dawson 20 of steph's balls and, and see how steph acts you know uh elite receivers want the rock bees and uh steph will both tell you that that's no secret so you know dawson uh dawson has to take big advantages of his opportunities if you, if you catch 30 balls and you drop 10 of them, everybody thinks you, you, know, you can't catch. If you catch 80 balls and you drop 10 of them, then you know, no one notices. So that's been, I think, a little bit of the issue with Doss is just that his opportunities haven't been as expansive as some other young tight ends that didn't have as many receivers around them. But I'm telling you right now, guys, mark my words, etch it in stone, the more, the more balls this guy catches in live action and the more repetition he gets at the tight end position in this league, it's, it's going to be really, really, really fun to watch him play. And I promise you, no one will be able to cover him.
0: What did you think about the Buccaneers' ability to run last night? Now, you mentioned uh, highlighting Gronk a couple of times as a blocker. Um, we hadn't seen a lot of smash-mouth football, really, uh, through the playoffs, and then the Buccaneers made that a huge part of their formula.
1: Yeah, and you know I'm biased. That's, that's my deal. That's, you know I'm a big believer in the run game. You know, but, but once again, this year was just so was so weird for me personally and, and, you know, for the linemen on our team and different people because no one could stop our receivers, and Josh was rolling. And, you know, that's, that's one thing Dable, you know, always said was, we're going to do what we got to do to win, guys. I'm, I'm not, you know, calling plays to, to make everybody happy. I'm calling plays to win football games, and we won a lot of them this year. So, and, you know, there were games that he, he'd walk in and they say, all right, boys, this week we're going to need to run a little bit, especially in the red zone, especially on this down and distance. And typically we, we had decent success. Um, so, uh, so, you know, I, I'm a big believer in the run game, you know, especially, <clears throat> especially on, you know, teams that, that might have a, against teams that might have a weak front or against teams that, you know, statistically have, have struggled against the run on certain downs and distances. But, you know, I just I just think that at the end of the day, nothing is going to work all the time. It's, it's like you, you watch Kansas City. Who in the hell would have guessed that was going to happen? You know, uh, so just, just like us against Kansas City last week, like sometimes you just have off days. Sometimes what, what your bread and butter is, you just need to run here, or run there. Now, I remember one, one situation yesterday where they just handed it to Fournette three times in a row, first down. And, and that just gives the lineman a break. It kind of gives the, the receivers a breather. It gives ta- Tom a mental breather. All right, let's give it to this stud in the backfield three times here real quick. Let him get us another – move the chains one more time, and then we'll kind of settle in and try to dose them up in the past game. So, you know, Brian Dable will tell you. Byron Leftwich will tell you. Eric Beanham will tell you. Everybody will tell you that. The more balanced your offense is and the more things you do great, the more chance you've had to win because, you know, there's certain times that things just aren't working – you know, I don't know what it is about momentum, but it's real. And sometimes when you just kind of get off, it's nice to just turn on a hand it to the dang back and say, go run your head against the wall and let us get back in this thing.
2: When you think about last night's game, you, it's hard to watch, like you said, being so close. How is it – how do you kind of, you know, take it in when – is it more of a, a hopeful thing that the Chiefs are beatable and that, you know, it's that close? or more frustration i guess that 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 could have been could have been the bills playing against the bucks yeah i mean listen i i I don't know
1: that i ever sat there and thought man the the chiefs are vulnerable i mean you know i got a lot of buddies still that play for the las vegas raiders who beat them this year and uh and you know i hear all the statistics on the game patrick mahomes has never lost by double digits and you know all these things and you know every, everybody wants to to crown him and them as superman which i'm not saying that's far off i think i personally believe patrick mahomes you know is is playing the best football in our league right now from top to bottom and uh i think i think josh allen is is right behind him and and needs a championship to take that crown right so uh but um but listen man you know they're beatable everybody's beatable you know how many how many games did uh, tampa lose this year 5 uh, so it, it was Tampa's day, just like it was Kansas City's day last week, again, or two weeks ago against us. But absolutely, you know, but but listen, if, if, if that game gets to get played again, you know, next weekend, who knows how it goes? The NFL's crazy. It's just a wild deal. And like I said, there's just sometimes when you're standing on that sideline, you're like, man, I do not like the way this feels right now. I do not like the energy. I do not like the momentum. And for whatever dang reason, we just can't get going. And, you know, Tampa caught Kansas City on a night like that. They had some penalties, and you know they were struggling getting control in their uh, defensive front. So uh, I think you know to say Tampa gave uh, gave everybody the sauce to beat them. Yeah, I mean I think that's I think that's fair because it was it was a butt whipping. Now, but at the same time, you know, 13 out of their 22 starters are, are you know visitors to the Pro Bowl every year. So good luck building a roster like that. I mean, Lord have mercy. And good luck, good luck getting a quarterback that's going to take half of what he's worth like Tom did. So uh, so they, they did it the right way down there, man. They won a championship because of it.
0: Jonah? Oh, I thought
3: Jonah had a question oh, there. No. Well, I, did, I was thinking, I do want to ask Lee how much he thought, maybe you mentioned this already, but the injuries on the offensive line with Kansas City and not having a five-man unit and that continuity that you need at that position, how much that could throw off even the best offense in football?
1: Yeah, I will – you know, I will never be one of the guys that beats up a backup that has to step in and play because I I understand just how hard it is to earn a job in this league, much less, you know, be starting in the Super Bowl whether you were a backup last week or not. But, you know, listen, man, three – what do they say? Three players will play in a different position in the Super Bowl. You know, the offensive line is a little bit like an orchestra. And when it's rolling and they're on the same page and they're able to pick up games and – I mean, listen, I I switch sides of the field all day every day. But, you know, it's it's like, you know, Sebastian Janikowski, who's a crazy wild man that I played with in Oakland all those years, only one hip hurt all the time because he only swung one leg. You know, so I'm not saying that it's that comparable, you know, asking him to kick with a different leg, but (laughs) right – on the left, I mean, it's a totally different—it's a totally different body movement, it's totally different muscles in each each part of your body. You're just so used to to kicking and kicking and kicking over and over and over and over on the same side. Then you move sides for the biggest game of your life, and then you got a dude coming off the bench, and another guy coming here. So, listen, I'm not going to beat up those guys because they played—you know—one of the best fronts in football, and you know. But at the end of the day, absolutely did it make a difference? I mean, you watched the game. <clears throat>
0: Last uh, last question about the game last night, and, and we'll let you go. I and mean, you got to go chase some cows, like you said. Looks like you got some kids who want your attention too. So, extra grateful that uh, you'd share it with us. Um, last night's game, the penalties. Um, I'm mentioning this because it was a big topic with a lot of the fans on social media. Um, the way that the game was played or called versus uh, your game against the Chiefs and the way that the defensive backs were, were not getting away with, with holding as much. Um, the types of things that was really uh, a problem uh, for Josh and the receivers and everybody to deal with having to go against uh, these... They kept they keep using the word sticky. Um, I think that's, um, that's a polite way of saying they're holding.
1: Yeah, I mean... Listen, man, the the great head coaches that I played for throughout my career, they always have a scouting report on the referees early in the week. Like, hey, these guys call offensive holding the most. Hey, these guys are a DPI group. Hey, these guys like to keep a tight grip on on the game, and you know they're big personal foul guys. You know, those are always those are always the guys that get on my nerves. But uh, and then there's other guys like, hey, these dudes are gonna let you. It's a freaking bar fight, man. Like these guys are gonna let you play. So uh, my suggestion to the NFL would be let the bar fight guys work the Super Bowl. And, uh, and I'm, I'm not going to compare it to our game last week, you know, uh, because, you know, I, I, I just don't feel like, hey, the penalties cost us, and if, if they would have done this or that or whatever, the Bills would have been in it. No, Kansas City beat our ass. They did. And, um, but at the end of the day, man, I'm a firm believer that in that game especially, especially in that game, the referee no one should know the referees are on the field. They shouldn't be involved. Uh, you know, it's about the two teams that earned their way to get there. Uh, and, and it shouldn't be a, a penalty happy game. You can call holding or pass interference on every play if you wanted to. Like, it's, it's not 1984 Little League where you block with your elbows. Every one of us blocks by grabbing the other man. Like, Deion Sanders has been retired a long time. There's no DB that could cover with his arms tied behind his back. Like, you have to use your hands. That's how the game of football was played in 2021. So, uh, me personally, I thought it was a little excessive. You know, I, I don't mind to, to give the refs a hard time when it's not my game because, you know, I'm not big on making excuses after losses when I personally played in the game. But the fact that I was sitting on the couch watching it, unfortunately, instead of being there, I think uh, that my main thing is, you know, referees shouldn't be noticed in a game, uh, especially not that game. And that uh, that you know, not saying it wasn't per, you know defense. It wasn't a pass interference, and obviously most of the calls, if you truly watch them, they were warranted. It wasn't like they were you know making bogus bogus calls. But at the same time, I felt like it was a lot of penalties that could have let go and let the guys play, and uh, and then maybe that uh maybe that bad boy would have been a little closer.
0: And you do raise a good point. Uh, it's not as though the players go into the game wondering how these. How how this crew or these individual you can even go position by position you know guy by guy and take a look at what he's called, and even yeah. use that and have uh, one of your um, offensive quality control guys break down film on the referees. I mean, and teams will do that uh, to oh, show yeah. what is a penalty and what is not. So it's not as though you're going into it with a to- like like it's uh, throwing a dart. You you should know what they're what they're willing to call and what they like to call.
1: Yeah, I mean, if 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 the real world understood just how much and how many people are sitting upstairs in these NFL facilities watching every single play, the TV copies, the the referees, the every little word or signal you can pluck, and you know, there's just so much that goes into it behind the scenes before all of us spoiled ass players walk in the building. There's there's a lot of guys working their butts off to give us the tools to to win. But um, but listen, man, I mean, at the end of the, in the Super Bowl. There's going to be elite receivers on the field or else they wouldn't have got there. It's the passing league now. So in order to cover these elite receivers, you know, either you better have, you know, the best defensive coordinator in the history of time who's got some crazy zone zone coverage dialed up. Or you better, you better be able to, to, to play man a little bit and, and get your hands on people. And in order to stop these elite receivers, you've got to get a little handsy or, or or else you just can't cover them. So, like I said, if receivers are getting tackled or if dudes are getting drugged to the ground or if they're truly getting tugged and that was the intended receiver, I mean, we are giving DPIs last night to, to guys that weren't even the intended receiver in the quarter, quarterback's immediate progression. So it's like, all right, guys, you know, I understand that that your job is to to throw flags when when penalties occur, but once again, it's not a week eight, you know, non-divisional game. It's the Super Bowl for crying out loud, and uh, and I just I just personally felt like that uh, that it was a little little too many yellow papers on the ground. But I'm not a rep, man. Those guys, they're humans too. That's what I always try to tell these guys when they start losing their mind and wanting to kill them in the tunnel and cussing them and going after them. I'm like, hey man, they're a human being, and these are freak show, you know, human, you know, circus creature, pro athletes running 22 miles an hour, that they're trying to, they're trying to do right by everybody and call the right calls and make sure they're not, their number one goal is to not be noticed in that game, right? So the last thing they want to do is miss a call or, or make the wrong call and be all over ESPN the next morning. They don't want that. Most it's, of them. Most of them. There, you know, there are a couple. Well, that's that's fair, but most of the guys on the back end throwing the flags—they're—they're—they're they're, they're not the ones with the white hat getting the attention. They're, right. So they, they definitely don't want to be the ones getting, getting their name written in on barstool. So, so I give them grace, man. Uh, you know, they, they obviously did the best job that they could, and they threw the flags when they thought penalties needed to be called. But my my main thing is, and I'll go back to it again that game should not be about penalties unless it's, you know, a very abrasive foul, let the dudes play, let it be a bar fight. And that way the best, you know, for sure the best man wins, which I, the best man won yesterday. I mean, they can't, Bay played their ass off
2: and it helped you get a power nap in, right. you know, yeah. flags are yeah. flying around it, give you an excuse. Yeah, I'm, to I'm, not. I'm,
1: <laughs> this is this. Um, it was, it was, it wasn't fun for me to watch, you know, but, uh, but I'm sure that the Tampa Bay players, friends and family and wives loved it. I'm sure Tampa Bay fans loved it and good for them. Good for Tom Brady. Good for every player on that team, man. You know, it's, uh, it's hard to, it's hard to win championships in this league. And that joker's won seven of them and all those guys get a piece of jewelry. No one can ever take from them. So good for them. I just didn't have much fun watching. it.
0: What's on the farm. You mentioned the farm very early in this conversation. Do you have cows and stuff already?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I got, I got, I'm just, it's a hobby farm, man. It's a place for my kids to pull ticks off their ass and, learn how to work and instead of growing up in this fancy neighborhood we live in. So, uh, so yeah, man, it's just a place to take my kids and Lord willing, my grandkids one day and all my buddies when they come in town, you know, especially my buddies that grew up in the hood or grew up in the inner city that have, that have never been out in the country that, uh, you know, I've played with over the years that I can take and, and spool and, you know, roast a pig on an open flame and shoot a shotgun and catch a fish and all that fun stuff. It's a zoo. It's your own personal zoo. It sounds like. It's a little, it's a little, it's a little, I call it redneck heaven up there, man.
0: (laughs) Well, Lee, thanks for doing this. Um, Maybe it's the last we've seen of you in a Bill's uniform. I don't know. Uh, You say you're leaning that way, but regardless of what you do, uh, good luck with your your decision and your, uh, hopefully everything, no matter what happens, you're happy with it and you have peace of mind.
1: You got it, brother. Thank you guys. Later. Thanks for doing this. Take care. Okay. You got it.
0: Tim Graham and Friends is brought to you by Shampoo Travis Bisson Kirshner, CPAs and business consultants. CTBK is the leading accounting firm with a growing team of accountants and business consultants with roots in Amherst, New York ctbk pairs every project with a focus on a human connection between its team and the client for assurance accounting taxes litigation support and advice on mergers and acquisitions ctbk is available and ready to solve any issue your business faces for a consultation or to request a quote call 716-630-2400 again that's 716-630-2400 ctbk Over a quarter century of proven accounting and business excellence for Western New York and beyond.